Hello and welcome back to the Football Babble, 17th of October. I'm back from my hiatus. I was getting married, so I'm obviously now a completely matured man. There'll be no um, file checks on this babble um, that I'm in control of. Unfortunately, there's there's three others that I have to um, keep in check uh, tonight. Phil is no, not here, so um, JD, good evening. How are you? Are you feeling boisterous? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> uh, Steve's here as well. Good evening, Steve. Good evening. How's it going? Not so bad, Paddy. How good are e- you? Good evening. Good. Good. Thanks. Good. Paddy, we um, we'll probably start with you. The um, result of the weekend. Some might say Johnny may argue different because Arsenal are top of the table, but um, sat down and um, it's always a match. I think that the neutrals now watch in the last couple of seasons, Liverpool and Man City, and again, you have to say it, it did not disappoint. Yeah, it was a super game. Uh, I'm sure Jetty was happy with the result as well, but um, yeah, absolutely unbelievable game of football, particularly the second half was was just frenetic and niggly and aggressive and just everything you want to see in a, in a football game. Um you know, Anthony Taylor let a lot of stuff go, which I know angered, well, particularly Jurgen Klopp. Um, and I, I'm a massive Klopp fan, but I don't think it was any excuse for his behaviour. Shouting a referee or a linesman's face is just not a good look. Um, but I loved seeing Pep getting wound up on the sideline. It's one of my favourite things on earth <laughs> is seeing Pep Guardiola annoyed and pissed off, and he was gesticulating to the crowd, and he just seems to lose his mind at Anfield every single year which I'm all for. Um, but no, it was good to see Liverpool put in a solid performance um, to keep a clean sheet, to sort of look more like themselves. A few very big performances. Um, Phil has requested that I apologise to Mohamed Salah because I underrate his abilities and think he's a massive fraud. Um, but he took his goal superbly well. This is all obviously a little bit tongue-in-cheek, don't I, Phil? But... Um, <laughs> He took his goal unbelievably well, you know, like the fluky touch on the twist, um, you know, just managing to bounce off Cancelo. <laughs> and then the fact that he managed to stick, stick that chance away, you know, after missing the earlier one was just testament to um to his perseverance and determination as a character. I can but, see um, Phil's uh, head <laughs> just, just getting more and more full and steam flying out the ears. Oh, yeah, it'd be absolutely raging. Um, but no, he, he took it class. It was great to see him through the middle because he's been, um, well, he just he's looked very isolated. We haven't been playing well, and although he has played as a wide forward for most of his Liverpool career, whenever things haven't been going well this season, he's been, he's been very isolated, farmed out wide, well out of the game, and, and hasn't played well himself either. So to get him involved in the middle in this kind of new formation they're trying was great. He was a real pain in the ass for City defenders all day long. They didn't really know what to do with him. Um, and I know that um, particularly Steve will enjoy talking about um, Pep big-braining it, as uh, as he likes to, to, to say, um, as he as he tried something a bit different. So I'll leave that maybe to to Steve to come in on um, whenever we're going on, on Guardiola. Um but yeah, no, it was it was a it was a great performance. Uh, love, absolutely loved it. I must have watched that goal about fifty times now. Um, it was just 
peak Salah. And I was speaking to Phil earlier on, and Phil's very much in the camp that Salah's the best Liverpool player of all time. I, I'm not in that camp. It won't shock you to hear, but he is an exceptional player. Definitely the best since since Suarez. Um, I know he's been there a lot longer and scored a lot more goals than Suarez. But, um, I think it's hard to overlook the likes of Kenny Dalglish and Steven Gerrard for the impact they had in the club as well. But modern day Liverpool wouldn't be the same without him. Um, and it was unreal. Big Darwin Nunes, a donkey, come on as well and ran the, <laughs> ran the channels and you know didn't see people to play passes and stuff. So uh, that was that was enjoyable. But if he he's very raw, if he can get things right, he could be a real weapon. But he, he's just yet to kind of click for me. But yeah, enjoyable yeah. game for me anyway. Liverpool needed it, would you say? Like, it was definitely the most important game of the season to date. Oh, absolutely needed it. Like, you know, we were we were sitting below Bournemouth. Um, we just had have, have been so poor, we needed something to kind of inject a bit of life into the season. The second half performance against a pretty poor Rangers side, I think, maybe set the platform, a bit of confidence there. Um, and the fact that, you know, we've well documented we've gone behind in so many games over the last kind of, you know six seven months even towards the, the tail end of last season the fact that we managed to keep it tight not concede an early goal and give a team a head start i think just garnered a bit of confidence within the kind of you know a bit kind of makeshift back four you know there was a few tweaks and changes there with milner right back and, and gomez sort of moving into partner van dyke i think that really kind of um you know help them and let us kind of grow into the game. And I think on balance of it, uh, although City will, will have had more possession than they did of probably more shots, I think Liverpool had the better chances and, and probably mm. uh, in my, maybe perhaps best view, I think Liverpool deserved to win the game. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely needed it. I think that's that's probably the general opinion of, of the neutral. But there's a... Steve, uh, uh, um a really important sort of point flying around about um, <clears throat> Liverpool seeing themselves as the underdog. I think Gary Neville might have mentioned it, and, and Phil was saying in the group today um, that the sort of that Anfield atmosphere um, comes into play and they they raise their their levels um, of play. But you can't really rely on that every week when you're you know not playing Man City and. Um, you know, you have to you have to go away to Brighton or or whatever it may be. Is that a problem for Liverpool? Do you think? Because for me, it's a really obvious point. You uh, you couldn't have teed me up better <laughs> for <laughs> because if I was a Liverpool fan, I would be extremely worried about that game yesterday. Um. It's amazing to get a win over Man City. It's brilliant to keep Haaland scoreless. All of these things, I get caught up. You can see why someone would get caught up in the moment. But I looked at that game yesterday and I saw Manchester United under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer um, mm. raising their level for a game everyone was expecting to be badly beaten in. I think people, a lot of people triple captain talent in their fantasy league yesterday because they fancied them to, to, to get a half full. But I'd be very, very worried um, because, first of all, I think I think Liverpool on balance probably deserve to win the game. I think anything from, you know, a 1-0 Liverpool win to a 3-0 draw probably would have been considered a fair result because there's a lot of chances. 
kind of at both ends. But I think the big thing for me was where the goal came from. Like, essentially a hoofed long ball from the goalkeeper. A bad mistake from from Cancelo. Um, I think, lovely finish. I think it was a really, really class finish from, from a player who's been out of form until very recently. But I think the big thing is that that's Man United versus PSG. That's Manchester United versus Liverpool. It's those. It's that kind of game rather than Liverpool turn. Is it West Ham they're playing uh, next in the league? Yep, like, Wednesday night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would. I'm not a. I'm not a gambling person, but I would take the mortgage on West Ham um, <laughs> because this is a team that only gets up for for big games. Um, it's not one playing consistently. It's not one with any sort of identity. Um, and yesterday's results will mask a lot of things. And I know Liverpool fans are probably listening to this thing, this gobshite, like, what is he talking about? But, like, I saw it all. I saw it all under United, and I'm seeing it with Liverpool. That's lack of... That lack of, kind of, any sort of a system at all. Like, yesterday was, as Paddy kind of alluded to, Pep kind of big-braining himself a little bit. Like, he... he I don't know why he he did what he did yesterday, other than he feels like he has to tinker in these like these big games and 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 instead of it's like he deliberately puts football on like difficult mode for himself, like because they have such an easy run in the rest of the games. But Liverpool took took full advantage of it, and I, I just would I would come out yesterday, and it's like don't get me wrong, as a United fan, it's amazing to see City being being beaten. Uh, it's amazing to see Pep get as angry as he did. Like all those things are good, but as a Liverpool fan, I think Brendan, as, as you kind of said, like if you can only play that well when you see yourself as underdogs, how many games a year do Liverpool play as underdogs? Four. Like it's just it's not a, a viable or 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 workable system for them to kind of build off. And all the problems that we saw up until the Rangers game, kind of midweek. And even then, they didn't play particularly well. I know the result, like, flatters them, but, like, they didn't play particularly well in that game. And I just think that, while I completely understand why Liverpool fans would get carried away with the result, the performance and everything that's built up to it, I don't see how that's changed. I don't see how anything has changed for Liverpool this season. It's interesting. Johnny, you're probably in a good position to kind of answer that question as well, because... Did you see much of a difference? Because I think it was it was probably pretty clear that Arsenal were the better team against Liverpool and they deserved to win the game. But did you see a difference in that game and the Liverpool that played Man City yesterday? Was there anything notable other than the fact that it was at Anfield? Yeah, Trent didn't start the game, which made a big difference, I think. Okay. <clears throat> and that's not to take a dig at Trent. I just think Liverpool looked more... <sighs> defensively sound you know they were more up for the game because it was their it's been their big rival for the last five six years in Man City like um but Steve Steve you're right in what you say like that game could have finished three each yesterday it could have, it could have went either way uh, when Liverpool went one nil up you could see the spaces in behind um for Liverpool to exploit obviously City were trying to push for an equalizer I mean Darwin Nunes first start why he didn't play the ball the most Salah, I think on two occasions, was beyond me. He could have put the game well beyond Man City and wouldn't have had those nervous few moments at the end uh, for Liverpool fans. But I, I think there, there is a wee bit of a difference between this Liverpool team and obviously Man United under Solskjaer. You know, 
I don't think the quality of player was as good as Man United as what Liverpool have. They're going through, I think, a bit of a transition. You know, they've players there that are on their last legs, and they you know they need a bit of a refresher. Um, I actually was very surprised to see James Milner start the game. I thought he was going to get absolutely hounded by Phil Foden, but to be fair to him, he played very well. Um, the most allegal brand you may recall. Um, this goal reminded me quite a lot of um, Henri's goal against Chelsea, if you remember. Um, I think he turned past Terry and put it past Kudicini. Blanked it out. Uh, I don't know what yeah. you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me a lot of that goal. Obviously, Salah had a bit more, um, you know, a couple of yards to make up to goal. Uh, I mean, it was a fantastic goal. I'm like Paddy, I've watched it a few times since it happened yesterday. It was absolutely amazing. Um I think in terms of clear-cut chances, Liverpool had the better of those chances. Like Man City did create a lot, but in terms of clear-cut, Liverpool should have scored three or four there near the end. Holland had a great opportunity with a header and headed straight at Allison. Um, it was a good game. Like I really enjoyed it as a neutral. You know, it didn't even at the end didn't really care about the result. Um, obviously, well, that's a lie. No, like when I was watching the game, honestly, I was just enjoying the game, not really thinking about how this affects the league or Arsenal or whatever, like, now, obviously, it's great, you know, we're four points clear of Man City and still the only invincible team in Premier League history, um, but yeah, a really yeah. enjoyable game, really enjoyable game, honestly, it was it was a great game to watch, um, I'm sure Phil's nerves were wrecked and I taxed into the group, obviously, that his hatred for Bernardo Silva must have been at all new levels yesterday. <laughs> But he's, he's got a great photo from it, so I'm sure he'd be very pleased with that. I mean, City Illusion yesterday shows that they can be got at, they can be beat. Um, the mutant of Haaland didn't score. It wasn't his best game now, I don't know. He seems to he seems to have um, struggled against Liverpool twice now this season. He had a great chance to show a score. Like, but it's encouraging to see them beat because... We all thought they could have went on and won whatever this year, and I still think they will go on and win the league and do very well in the other cup competitions. Like, but we were meant to play in Man City um, on Wednesday night at home. Obviously, that game has been rescheduled due to the Europa League. But I'm I'm really glad because I wouldn't want to play the, the next team playing Man City after they've got beaten the game like that because they're going to be mad. And I think some of the changes Pat made yesterday were forced upon him you know Kyle Walker was that injured I think he would have started the game otherwise um, but it's just it's one of those days that game could have went either way if City got that goal that was disallowed I feel like they would have went on and won the game probably by a few goals but luck was on Liverpool's yeah. side and here we are I think that's interesting though about like you're saying that like he, some of the changes are forced on him I still think he could have played four at the back <laughs> I still think he didn't have to, to set the team up the way he did um, it just well, that's, what I was that... go- that's what I was going to ask you, Steve. Like, d- was this um, sort of a Pep disaster class, um, or was it just that he, you know, he didn't have the right players for the right positions? It felt like he was almost. It's almost like he treated it like a Champions League semi final. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It just. It just seems to me that like. He gets these big games, and instead of doing the things that like has worked in every other game, he feels like he just has to just 
tweak it and, and and change it for the sake of doing it. Like, and the fact that Liverpool were playing so deep yesterday, I think what was that stat? Like, their first touch of the ball was like thirty four meters or something, thirty five meters maybe from their own goal, Liverpool, which was a much kind of deeper kind of starting position than they've had all season, and like that established itself as a pattern fairly early and he didn't seem to adapt to it and I know Carragher and and and, and Neville kind of kind of flagged that um in their analysis analysis of it after the game but like there's no point in playing three at the back or three center or three center halves when a team is playing that deep you know what Liverpool are setting up to do they're setting up to beat you on the counter so I just felt it was for a guy who revolutionized the way football was played who's clearly a very good coach he just gets into his own head sometimes. And yesterday felt like, like one of those days. And even his use of substitutes and stuff, like you've 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 paid a hundred million for Jack Reedish. Do you not think that you can bring him on and change the game? Like it it, it just baffles me sometimes that like to have that kind of wealth of, of talent um and, and not make the most of it, I think. Um so it was frustrating from a from a neutral point of view, to see City not making the most of it. Now, that's not, to, again, not to take away from Liverpool. I thought Liverpool played quite well in that underdog role, but they played like a side that started the game 11th in the table. And the thing, the, diff- the difference between them, though, and a team that would traditionally be 11th in the table is the talent in their squad and the talent mm-hmm. in their team. Not like, not everyone has a Mo Salah who can finish like that. You know, not everyone has Virgil van Dijk or an Alisson. Very, very few teams have. Um, and so I think, in a weird way, despite everything that's in Klopp's kind of personality and everything that's in his coaching repertoire, Liverpool are really well set up to be a counter counterattacking team. Like they, they have a phenomenal group of players for it. But it's just in ninety percent, ninety five percent of games, they won't be the underdog. They will be the team doing the pressing, and they'll be the team doing the attacking. So it's 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 kind of it. it it's difficult to know how Pep went into that game not expecting that type of performance from Liverpool. Um, and even still, after 15, 20 minutes, not realising that it was <laughs> it was something he needed to change and something he needed to tweak. So it, it, it it's, it's just funny to me that you can be so good at your job and have so many blind spots in these big games. Like It, it points to something... I don't know, a deeper cause or a deeper issue that like none of us can know about because, you know, what's going on inside his inside his head. But it, it's so strange. It's just so strange. It, it's um it is a weird one, Paddy. Like Pep um Man City last season made um the least uh average substitutions per game, I think just over two or something like that. And now you know the for the arguments about the the big clubs are are at, at a bigger advantage because they can the squad depth is obviously better. Liverpool made five subs yesterday. Pap only made one. Um, what is it? Do you think it's a because I'm just comparing it to um, Graham Potter yesterday for for Chelsea. He got the the starting team wrong. Um, he made two subs at halftime, and he made the other three in the second half. It, it's is it a trust thing that he doesn't trust the players on the bench, or is it is it possibly with Pat an ego thing that he doesn't want to admit that the team he's picked, the setup he's picked, is wrong, and he doesn't want to change that because then that's him admitting that that he's got it wrong. Is there anything in that? 
think there probably is something in that sort of latter point about Pep's ego. You know, he um, I think he sees himself as this guy who's trying to like complete the game of football, and you know, I think he. He doesn't seem as um, like that's. I hadn't heard that statistic about the average number of substitutes because, you know, obviously you touched on the fact that smaller teams were bemoaning the fact that these sort of larger teams could empty benches and bring on hundred million pound players. You know, multiple sort of fifty plus million pound players. But it's uh, it was interesting yesterday. I thought Klopp brought on a, a triple substitution. I think maybe just when it went one nil, and it really helped Liverpool. Um, and. You know, it just seemed like it was crying out for for something to be done on from Pep. But um, yeah, it was a strange one. He brought on Alvarez, but yeah, like Grealish, I, I don't even know if Mares came on. Um, so, you know, it just nope. seemed like there was more that could have been done. Um, I wondered if um, even in, in his initial selection, if well, two things did he he sort of set up very like Brighton set up against us, who caused us a lot of trouble, and although lots of people have caused us trouble. And I wondered if uh, the selection of Ake at left-back was because he thought Salah was going to play kind of in his usual wide right position, if it was kind of to nullify him. I'm not sure. But um, Steve made a, a touched on Van Dijk's point there, and I actually just looked it up. But um, I don't think it's any coincidence that that's, you know, Haaland didn't perform against Liverpool in the Community Shield or yesterday um, because he was up against Van Dijk in both Um you know, he also hasn't beaten Liverpool when he played for Salzburg a couple of times or for Norway against uh, Netherlands all the time against Van Dijk. So I think, I think Van Dijk did very well against him yesterday and Gomez as well. So, um, you know, Joe still... Gomez actually impressed me the most against him, to be quite honest with you. Because um, you can see, I watched Holland a few times off the ball and he was trying to stay more on Joe Gomez, I found, but. I thought he, he and he got man of the match as well, which shows how well he did play. Yeah, I, th- I think we're. I don't think Man City. I think we're sort of talking here like Man City played really poorly. You know, I don't think they did. I think at the end of the day, a lot of luck played into that as well. You know, Cancelo made an absolute, you know, complete tit of himself by missing that ball. I and mean, it was a great turn, great touch by Salah. It was a great goal, but you know, it's it's something that Cancelo should have been dealing with, really, in my opinion. But. Just it was a bit of luck there, and the way Salah took the ball down as well was fantastic. You know, a lot of people said to me today that Foden goal should have stood, so they didn't really say anything wrong. In my opinion, it was a foul. You know, we tugged the shirt completely off of Inu, like it was a clear free kick. Um, but on another day, like Man City probably would have won that game. I know what you're saying, like I know Steve saying there, like about the big, big brain and things like that. I don't think this is as bad as you know some of the Champions League ties he's had in the past, you know. You look at you know the, the Spurs games in particular a few years ago, and then against Liverpool as well. Like, I don't think it's anywhere near that level of of an absolute fuck up. Like, but but I think it's the sub. I think it's the substitution thing as much as the like. As I said, it was after about fifteen minutes. It was clear that they were set up wrong, and mm-hmm. he makes one substitution and doesn't really change things tactically throughout the whole game. And it goes back to Brendan's point of like if he does that, it admits that he was wrong to begin with, so he won't do it because he wants to save face or whatever. Mm. I, I've never actually thought of it that way, Brendan, before about the the substitution thing. Um, mm. About the more substitutes bring you bring on, the more mistakes you're admitting you made in your starting lineup. Mm. That's a take I'm absolutely stealing from now on. <laughs> it, but it, it everything we know about Guardiola, like if you put his ego 
into this conversation then that actually makes a ton of sense like it really does especially with him being the manager who makes the fewest changes and stuff it, it, it all tracks and again I, I don't think that City played badly I think they were coached in game badly I think more than how they played because they created a lot of opportunities I mean there was one there was one Haaland shot with his left foot I think he looked really disappointed with because Alisson made a nice save down low yeah. to his right but I think if Haaland had got any sort of height on it at all was probably a goal, um, but that was kind of it. And I do think I'd love to know, Paddy. I know we've been on Liverpool a long time, but I think it's important at this point. And again, it's not to have a go at Trent Alexander Arnold. But if you're fit enough to come on, come on in that game, you're fit enough to start. So was Trent dropped yesterday, and and Klopp kind of covered for it because that's a that's that's tough. I think on on him to bounce back from. Uh, be interested to know what Liverpool fans are kind of like saying about that because you know he didn't need to come on when he came on he came on quite late but it, it kind of was an indicator to me that he was fit and he was okay to play I, I, I don't think he was dropped like I don't think you're going to drop Trent for a 36 year old to play right back against an electric 22 year old like I think it was a, a force change he must have been like he went off when he went over on his ankle against Arsenal, I thought he was going to be out for a long time. I was surprised he was even on the bench, but he, he must have a direction from the, the medical team that he shouldn't he shouldn't play over a certain amount of minutes because I know that in the, one of the previous games, um, you know Liverpool were told they couldn't start Diaz, Jota, or Nunez because of their fitness, and they all came off the bench. I think in that game too. So i think klopp has like the utmost utmost faith in trent alexander arnold like i think he's like a. I do think he's i do think he's like an exceptional right back i know you have serious um questions about his defensive ability and i think it's been he has been poor this season but he's also been unreal for four previous seasons and i think his defensive work in the last three four seasons i think every mistake he makes gets like picked apart and blown up it seems to be the stick that people beat him with but there have been so many games that I can think of where he's completely marked whatever left-sided attacker completely out of the game too so I think he's uh I think people try to pick holes in his game and he's comes under a lot of stick but I think he's like he's unreal I know I know Phil kind of wonders if um they might try him sort of right midfield I think talk for years has been they would move him in the midfield at some stage um, if, if the time's coming for that now who knows but um, I would rather keep him at right back where he has more time on the ball where he can sort of do his cross field passes um, and maybe just get him to work on some of the defensive stuff um, I think it's a shame that Rhys James is injured because it means that he'll almost certainly go to the World Cup now whereas I think he would have benefited from six weeks at Melwood or Dubai or wherever they're going to train uh, or Kirby sorry Um and just work on his defensive ability. So I, he definitely wasn't dropped yesterday. I think it was it was forced. I think if it wasn't for Milner playing right back, we would have had Nathaniel Phillips playing centre half against um, Erling Haaland, and he would have fucking eaten him alive. So I think it was forced, and, and Milner did a fucking brilliant job. Like uh, yeah, he was, was no, he was I was just wondering because like it did. I know Liverpool will treat their kind of injuries a little bit differently than than a lot of clubs, like you said on on minute counts and stuff like that, but. It just feels strange to me that if a player's either injured or not, you know. But I do think you're right. Maybe there's a different context that when Liverpool do it. One shudders at the thought of Phillips up against Holland. Like that's <laughs> oh my just, god, 
not what you want. You'd rather um, have like a scarecrow up against Holland. <laughs> you might get in the way sometimes. Can I just try out a statistic, by the way, before we, we move on? Because I'm sure Brendan wants to talk about Liverpool. And I'm, I absolutely know that Johnny wants to talk about Arsenal. But oh, no. Anthony Taylor has sent off five people this year. Every other referee in the Premier League combined, there are six sendings off. <laughs> Is there a problem with Anthony Taylor? Like, I think it might be his problem rather than the players' problems. Do you know? Well, do you know who the five are, Steve? Uh, I don't. I'm sorry. I no, didn't plan that for ahead. And it, it might include Klopp. In because, that. No, it, def- it definitely includes Klopp. Um, yeah. 49, which is, which was totally warranted red card, like for sure. I I disagree though, right? And and this is not right. Okay, I I before Paddy logged on to start this recording, I was saying that like sometimes it's okay to abuse referees, but the actual point I was trying to make <laughs> is that. When a ref, when a manager gets that irate, okay, you as a man, you as a referee have to turn around and think, okay, that's not rational behavior. What have I done wrong to cause this? And if Anthony Taylor sits back last night with a, I don't know, a shandy and a, you know, good book, and he's thinking about his day, does he look at himself and go, yeah, I did a really good job refing that game, or does he think I absolutely miscontrolled that game from start to finish? And from about the thirty minute, thirtieth minute on, I was out of control of the game because it seemed to be that you could do whatever you wanted to Mo Salah in that game and get away with it. Essentially, and I think that's why Man City were were kind of so surprised by how, why the goal was disallowed because they they've been getting away with that as a foul all game. So why in that one instance was it was it ruled uh, was it ruled a foul? But I just think. Right, maybe shouting and roaring isn't the answer, but if you have caused someone to get that angry and get that annoyed, surely you realise that. Why Why is Klopp the only one punished in that situation? That's my issue. Klopp will serve a suspension. Taylor will go and referee next weekend, or midweek even. It just, to me, doesn't seem fair at all that bad performances like that continuously don't get punished from referees. So that was, I just think it's, it's mad that Klopp is the only person punished, that's all. Well, I was before we move on. I was going to talk about the what would you call it, the VAR inconsistency, Jonathan. Um, Foden's disallowed goal, um, the Holland challenge. Was it any worse than some of the tackles that Anthony Taylor was letting go all day? No. <clears throat> No, I think I think he did. He was just he was very inconsistent. Like uh, Phil, or sorry, Phil, uh, sorry, um, Steve for calling you Phil. Um, <laughs> Anthony Taylor was letting those fouls go. Um, I think when VAR came into play, you know, the referee that works VAR obviously has a different opinion to the one on the field, which is another problem in itself. You know, you've two different referees, two different opinions, and. You know, the referee on the pitch, when he's asked to go have a look at the monitor, doesn't want to go against the referee who's in Stockley Park because he'll feel like he's he's an idiot and doesn't, you know, maybe I'd miss something here or whatever. You've, I think only once I've seen in the Premier League the referee on the pitch say, no, I'm going to stick with my decision rather than, you know, overturn it, which is what we see most of the time. There was there was a lot of fouls let go yesterday. To be quite honest, I enjoyed it. I thought it really added to the game, made it a more exciting game. Um, I think it was a who was on commentary. Gary Neville. Gary Neville said that it feels more like 
football of old. And I was like, well, I wouldn't go that far, Gary. But it, it was a very good game. Plenty of tackles. Like, it's what you want to see in those big games. A bit of excitement, you know, players getting into each other. Not obviously to hurt one another, like, but, you know, nice meaty challenge. Like, you know, fair challenge that they win the ball and it gets the crowd going. That's the atmosphere. Me as a neutral, you know, it made the game more exciting because you watch these games sometimes and they're just such a letdown. You're expecting a big game full of goals between two great sides and then finishes nil-nil or whatever. Um, now, normally you do get an outboring game that does finish 1-0. In this case, I felt, no, it was end-to-end, very good. Great players on the pitch, probably playing, playing them good players playing the best they have all season. And it, it was it was enjoyable. I think it added to it. Now, believe me, if, if a decision like that went against, went against my team, I'd be absolutely fuming, the Man City goal I'm talking about here. Because, like, when you, you can't understand why those City players were annoyed. You know, they've been doing that all game. And then for the one time they get a goal, they were raging. Um, it was kind of funny, though, hearing Pep after the game. Like, he was just, you could tell. You know, when he just does that whole, I don't want to do you know, it is what it is, the referee decision, whatever, you know, he's getting on. Like, and I enjoy that because <laughs> Pep's come in and just, you know, we were kind of, I don't want to get into the whole debate of what Klopp said. Um, on Friday, but you know, Pat could just go back here once and it doesn't matter if it's a failure or not. And it's kind of nice to see him just not get his own way for once. So, unlucky Pap, four points behind me. <laughs> One catches. So, awesome. um, and I just on, on Pep there, like, um, he was saying, and afterwards, you know, this is Anfield, like, you know, basically, I get nothing here, we get nothing here. Let's be honest, that was not a goal, like, it was a clear foul. 100% foul by Haaland and also uh, the mention on match of the day too yesterday VAR, if Haaland hadn't have tugged Fabinho down VAR would have given it because Alisson had two hands on the ball so like in two places you could say it's soft on the keeper or whatever but there's no way that goal should have stood so Pep should shove it up his hole but I think he was a wee bit confused you know he was saying this is on field like getting nothing here I think he actually meant Old Trafford because nobody gets fuck all at Old Trafford unless you're minded. But that's a different conversation. Stop crying. Think <laughs> <laughs> you believe by four points. Get over it. <laughs> Steve, so, you're you're every money out of fan on Brandy Stag. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think um then Steve, based on what Johnny's saying, and I think Polly mentioned at the start of the pod as well. The you know the game being a bit of a throwback, uh, the uh, sort of the tackles that were allowed to fly and etc. Do you think Anthony Taylor deserves credit then for that? Um, no, no, (laughs) because he's just a bad referee, and so we shouldn't. I don't think the the result, like an old fashioned game of football with tackles flying in and all that, that's fine. But it's Taylor's inconsistency. Like, look at the. I do remember one of his red cards was Natalian Collins, Natalian, Nathan Collins for Wolves uh, against the earlier this year. That like that to me was more of a yellow card than a than a red card. And you know he's just so inconsistent with some of his decisions. Um, I think he sent off Emerson as well, Johnny. You probably remember that better than I do. But I'm pretty sure he 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 did send off Emerson this year as well. But he's just to me. There's certain games he shouldn't be involved in, and maybe this is a this is a a, 
like a World Cup podcast when you know we're on a Premier League break or whatever. But the quality of referees in the Premier League is just so poor. Um, Steve, and it, was he was he refereeing um, PSG against Marseille last night by any chance? <laughs> because I mean, that was bad. That was talking bad. about bad red cards. That was shocking. Yeah, I have a Brazilian uh, who I know in my mentions on Twitter talking about how my uh, Neymar <laughs> and he would have re- he would have had to retire from football ten years ago if it wasn't for ta- or because of tackles like that. And then he didn't touch him. He literally doesn't touch him. Like the intent is there. He definitely dives in to break Neymar's legs, and he should be sent off for missing. <laughs> But like, it, I just don't understand. Like this, yes, yeah, so many bad refs, and it's everywhere. There aren't, there are so few good referees, and we we were chatting kind of off air as well, like about how much they're paid. Like the minimum a Premier League referee gets is one hundred and nine thousand pounds a year. They're too well paid to be this bad at their job, um, and so I understand why managers get frustrated. And yeah, you, you don't cross the line, and you know, I've I've been a coach, and I've said things to referees that. You know, I wouldn't say in front of my child or children, um, but sometimes they deserve it. So, like, <laughs> I think know. Premier League referees are just following the example set by their government, getting well paid <laughs> for being really bad at their fucking job. <laughs> Whenever Steve started that that particular sentence, you started the conversation with "I have a Brazilian," and I, <laughs> I was really wondering where you're going before you mentioned your friend. <laughs> So moving swiftly on now. <laughs> Not about Steve's pubic hair. Let's go. Um, Johnny. Uh-huh. Top of the league. Uh-huh. You, you, did, are, are the Gunners going to do it? Oh, catch you grab yourself. We are not. I mean, <laughs> I mean Liverpool went and as uh, a furious that Phil likes to use quite a lot, poked the bar yesterday by beating them. Um, we're not, we're not going to win the league. Like I don't think we have we talked about it last week. We don't have the strength and depth. And quite honest, yesterday's performance was the worst I have seen Arsenal play all season. But you still, still won. That, still that's won, the that's the performance of of champions. Yeah, right. It is. But um, oh, sorry, I'm getting carried away again. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, this is what I want. <clears throat> get carried um, away. Okay, it could be so easy to get carried away, but I mean, I'm not going to because I've been burned too many times with that one. Um, no, like again, like I said earlier, about this, about this, it's a bit like the solid goal. You know, the luck Arsenal had so much of the luck yesterday it was unreal. Um, obviously the game was delayed 35, 40 minutes because the referees <clears throat> couldn't communicate with the the folks on VAR. Um, and I was one of those people before the game saying, "Fuck it, play without VAR." But without VAR, Arsenal <laughs> would have, you know. Drew lost the game. Who knows, really? Um, if Bamford scored the, the first penalty that he actually got the tick, I'd say Leeds would have went on and won that game. You know, Allen Road was rocking. Um, the crowd were really on it. And, yeah, it was a tough game for Arsenal. Like, you know, but you have to remember, like, they're away in the Arctic Circle in Norway on Thursday night. Team got back late on Friday. Apparently, they had a very, very late session on Saturday morning and then travelled the lead. So, there wasn't much preparation done for that game. And then, what I was worried about when I heard the game was delayed, like that can throw players off, you know, mentally and things like that. You know, they're all pumped up, ready to go out. And then, 
the play was it less than a minute and they're back into the change rooms for a half hour, you know, fucking be really off putting and it could take you a while to get going again. Um but I mean they got through it. They got three points. That's the main thing. Um like I said to, to Phil and Pally last week, it's keeping those other teams at, at arm's length to try and get into the top four again. <clears throat> it's it's gonna be a strange season because like Arsenal are obviously they've built up a bit of momentum. They've had their Best ever start to a league season ever in their history. Uh, 27 points from 30, which is unbelievable for this young team. But there's going to be this break in the World Cup, and this is what I'm, I'm worried about. You know, the momentum the team's building. You know, they're going to go off for a month, and then they're going to come back. And, you know, some of those players are going to be at the World Cup, and they'll be tired, and you wonder how they're going to pick it up again. Um, Holland, like we've said last week, is going to get a month off. You know, Teams are going to strengthen. Teams are going to get better. Like you look at Chelsea, they're already getting getting better. They're they've been fantastic under Graham Potter, um, and Liverpool are going to come good as well. And I fully believe that. Um, then you've Man United and no, you don't. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know <laughs> they're they're there and they're about at the minute. See, like I mean, I I only seen today. I think I sent it into the group chat about the Ronaldo goal. I don't really know exactly what happened, but you know. You have Ronaldo who can score goals. He may not be starting every game from United at the minute, but you know there's a potential there they can stake a couple of results. I still think Arsenal will finish in the top four. You know they have they have a good enough team to do it. I think if they strengthen in January, they'll be fine. Uh, win the league, I think it's a season or two way too early. We have this Man City team with probably the best striker in the world at the moment and one of the best coaches ever be in the game it's it's really difficult to to see past us ever win the league this year well, especially when we have perhaps prodigal son who i feel sometimes big brains things um but he's got better up this year there's no doubt but he is still learning of course but, well do, do you know going back to the game like and we're talking about decisions like did you think the refs uh, on the var eventually got everything right um, Leeds first penalty there was a player offside in the build up um, you know I would probably have been more angry about it if Leeds had scored the penalty but they didn't um, Aaron Ramsdale was just being a pure shithouse trying to put off Bamford and it seemed to work um, a few people that watched the game live like all different streams from America and India whatever said that basically going on the whole game about how Bamford's on 99 goals for Leeds. And they were saying today is going to be the day he's going to get his 100th goal and kept going on about it. And Bamford had his chances. Leeds absolutely battered Arsenal in the second half yesterday. I mean, I was refreshing my phone flat out. Could not enjoy the start of that Liverpool Man City game. My nerves were wrecked. Like, I mean, <clears throat> I wasn't even this bad in the Spurs game. Like, I mean, I just couldn't cope. I was like, oh my God, it was the game. One of the guys on the Arse cast today called it the game that never wanted to start, but also the game that didn't want to end, because they ended up being like 10 minutes out of time, and that's not good for the nerves, you know? And then somebody on Twitter decided to post up, oh, it's 1-1, <laughs> and this was like with a minute to go of entry time, and I was like, oh, I cannot believe after all of that, Arsenal went and buggered us, but yeah, we're, we're four points clear at the minutes of... Titles on the line, mate. Titles on the line, you know? No, four points clear of, of obviously 
of Spurs, and I don't know. I think Chelsea had a game in hand. They'll only go a point behind Spurs, so they need to keep that gap. I know Arsenal aren't gonna. They're gonna drop points, um, probably over the coming weeks. You know, they've Southampton away next weekend, which will be tough enough game, and then Chelsea aren't very far behind that either. So there's tough games coming up. Like, um, what, what what is a um a lead that you would be. Now, you're probably not going to be comfortable with any lead um, going into the second half of the season. But realistically, what would you like going into the World Cup, signing off? How many points clear at the top that you would be confident Arsenal can win the league? I like to put in these top and win the league. Like We're, we're not going to win the league. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if Arsenal are still well within... I think Listen, with nine wins from ten games. I know, Jerry. You need to start backing yourself. You just said a trip to St Mary's is a difficult one. Come on, lad. <laughs> there, there's no, there's no easy games in the Premier League. Like there really isn't. Yes, there are. Then, like Spurs <laughs> or Liverpool, because we're fucking absolutely battered them. And just, just, just to make another point, Trent wasn't injured. Martinelli absolutely roasted his ankles and knees. That's why he had to go off. Um, oh, Jetty's doing the classic pessimist, pessimistic yeah, title yeah. chasing. I've been uh, there, Jetty. I've been the pessimistic, pessimistic title chasing fan. And you, and you should know, Embrace after it. thirty years of hurt, us were on like seventeen now. You know, if they're if they're still in the title race by March. Or April time, then I I'll be like, right, I think we can go on and fucking do this. Like, but March or yeah. April? Come on, <laughs> catch a grip here, comes. He deep down, he knows, he knows Clip. they're in the race. He knows Clip. their favourites probably. Clip. Of course he does. What are in the my, odds? In my job, I know <laughs> not to say a fucking shit to people because they come back and bite you in the ass. So <clears throat> no, no, thank you. I will gladly take the top four this year. Well, getting into the Champions League means you can buy better players, strengthen your squad, and then next year we fucking rock the Premier League and the Champions League, and Chelsea can go fuck themselves because we will have a European title next year. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we, we just they just need to keep going. There's going to be ups and downs before the season's over. Um, if we Chelsea's probably a bigger test than Spurs or Liverpool because I think it's actually Stamford Bridge. Um, but I mean, like that's our playground the last couple of years, I suppose. So. Uh, it's hard to know. Like, it's hard to know, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> I love, <laughs> love the confidence. No, the I, the confidence I, creeps in. I, I love know, it. I know you're just hoping for a 1-0 Aubameyang goal. Like, I know that'll be your <laughs> dream result. Um, and just actually, I, I, this is, I'm, I'm looking ahead. The 26th of April, City at home to Arsenal. The 29th yeah. of April, Arsenal at home to Chelsea. That's the title there. Those two yeah. games. That's the title. I, I had a look at Arsenal's couple of games um, towards the end of the season. I think Newcastle away is also in those last few games. Which, when you're looking at those fixtures, I you know, know. I'm crammed. You know. We're probably going to fall out of the top four or something in those three games. <laughs> <laughs> For example, I have not looked at Chelsea's fixtures because I know they're definitely not going to win the league. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I always have a look towards the end because. If you're in the race, well, us particularly in the last couple of years, if we're one for the top four, the real difficult away games, you know, you, you know you'll have a good guess of who's going to be in the relegation fight. And you're looking to see if those games are going to be away from home or not. Um, Newcastle away has normally been hard enough, but they've been quite good this year. 
and they're a decent team, so they'll they'll be a hard game. Um, and then we have like Spurs away is actually in January this year, so we get that one out of the way nice and early. It'll it'll be it'll be a tough tough running either way, but I think Arsenal will be back in the Champions League next year <laughs> as Premier League champions. Um, <laughs> oh, what? What did I say? What was that? Sorry, Brenton, was that? I think that was a. Uh, I think that was Phil from last year or something. I don't know what that was. So yeah. No, it's just um. I've I've taken a note there of forty-seven minutes on yeah, the seventeenth of October. Um, so we've got that, JD. Thanks. Um. Now speaking of how Chelsea aren't going to win the league, um, they were shocking yesterday against Aston Villa. Aston Villa um, were—I don't know if any of you watched this match—but Villa were much a better side. Um, more shots, more shots on target. Um, they had so many big chances. Um, Kaba just decided to have the game of his life. Um, I did see. I think it was the first half, a save from Danny Ings, a header. Oh, I mean, yeah. What a save. One of the best I've ever seen, I think. Yeah. Incredible. Um, just... You've never seen me in that spot. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to see him right wing either. Like. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he he was unbelievable. And then um, when he was making those saves, Throne Mings did what he does, gave away um, a goal, handed at the Mason Mount on a plate, uh, he slotted that away, and then second half, your friend Ami Martinez, Jetty, um, let one of mine's free kicks just fly past him. He I've took a step to the right hand side. He blamed Arsenal for that. Did you know? <laughs> oh, did he? Yeah, because he just blames Arsenal for all his fucking problems. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you're better or anything like that. He's obviously. the fucking better one. Eh? He works in well, he left, and he's just being a fucking dick. You look, you look up Amy Martinez interviews and he fucking well, everything's about oh fucking Arsenal and so give me a rest, Amy. What do you think? Good football. <laughs> um. Anyway, yes, Chelsea somehow got a, came away from that uh, with a two 0 win. Um, Villa, I think, are in a wee bit of trouble. They're lingering there towards the bottom three. Um, but it means it it kind of tightens up there. Um, sort of top five, top six. Uh, Chelsea and United both have games in hand and they're sitting in fourth and fifth. Um, Chelsea on 19, and as you said, Jedi, Tottenham on 23, Man City on 23, and Arsenal on 27 with a wee bit of a, a lead developing. Um, Can I just say, have you, has any of you noticed the confidence Spurs fans have on Twitter? It actually shocks me. It shocks me that they actually think they're going to win the league this year. I mean, even to think they're actually a good football team, they are literally level on points with City because they have been jammy bastards all season. <laughs> and when they actually played anybody half decent, they got snattered, aka <laughs> ourselves. So, I mean, oh, I can't wait to Chelsea catch up with them. The fall out of the top four, Conte gets fed up with them, and then he leaves, and then they're stuck. They're going to be called the Google Stadium, by the way. God almighty, the Amherst was bad enough. The Google oh, Stadium. Did, did Google get the name right? So I didn't hear that. I hear they're in advanced talks. So, yeah. There you go. The yeah. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium at least <laughs> sounded okay. Did it though? It's... It had Tottenham Hotspur <laughs> in the name. Like <laughs> you make a very good point. Uh, I suppose if you were a Spurs fan, you wouldn't want. It's a bit like the. 
Spotify Camp New as well, which is just horrific to say. Yeah, and and now you know the different albums and stuff going on on their their shirts, which oh, is yeah. absolutely horrific. I was thinking, um, what was, who was the Spanish club that did that? Like with the movies, did Atletico, Madri- Atletico Madrid. Atletico yeah, Madrid had it for yeah. a while. I was okay with that. I was okay with that. The album thing is just a bit weird. Yeah. Do you remember when Barcelona never used to have any sponsors? They used to have UNICEF. That was it. Yeah. And then they just became absolute. There's there's plenty of words you could probably use for them. And now Forest are bringing it back. You know, it's cool to have no sponsors again. Yeah. Yeah, only Forest Top looks like shit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it looks like a train on top or something, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it looks yeah. shite. It's because they keep wearing red shorts with it and red socks. Like, if you're wearing a red jersey, you need to wear white shorts. These are the rules. Stop breaking the fucking rules. <laughs> white, white shorts and, and black socks. Yeah. Um, well, uh, well, Might be wear black shorts sometimes, though. They do sometimes, yeah. They do, yeah, depending on what the opponents are wearing. Um, I think Newcastle were maybe in their... Saudi Arabian skip yesterday, where the Steve? That's something that really annoyed me as well. Why did Man City wear that stupid bloody bumblebee looking shirt yesterday? Well, the, the, the word blue. Never put the red. Like, <laughs> why? It's a good point, actually. You didn't even think about it at the time. They, they, have, have, to sell, to. they have to sell kits. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's required for a certain amount of games per season. Even though do, you know, kits... do you know what always annoys me, though? When Chelsea fucking were their home top against Steady, when they're away, why do you what? do that? Have you not noticed that? You're, you were your home top against Steady when you're playing away from home. Bugs the shite out of me. Why, because they're both blue? Yes. Why Why can't you just wear an away top? Why not? They're, they're different because they're blues. Like. They're very different. But it doesn't matter. They're blue. It's <laughs> <laughs> just fucking stupid. <laughs> I think the most worry that white is closer to sky blue than dark blue is, maybe. Yeah. Is that maybe the... Yeah, probably. Um, Yeah, it is is kind of... They have a rule in um, American football that one team always has to wear white, and it's from the black and white days of black and white TV, so one jersey will always be like a a white jersey. Um, Still? Yeah, still, even though nobody owns a black and white TV, but it's still a rule. So every every team has their, their jersey and then a white jersey. Um, they're they're trying to introduce this into the Six Nations, I believe. It's because people may not have a black and white TV anymore, but there are people that are still colorblind. So when Wales play Ireland, for example, people can't distinguish who's Wales and who's Ireland, it's brown, even it's though brown. you know yeah. the the badge on the jerseys, for example, or if you know who the players are, like hmm. there's very few people bigger than Ty Furlong. <laughs> I always find um, Scotland against Ireland depending if Ireland have a darker green than usual I always find that kind of hard to pick out sometimes have you tried glasses <laughs> <laughs> I'll try I'll give it a go I'll give anything a go once uh... Absolutely roasted. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, well, uh, uh, do you want to talk, Steve, do you want to No, talk I don't. Ideas? I don't want to talk about it at all. It was a nothing <laughs> game. I was, following, Let, I, was, I was following online. It looked like nothing happened except for the free kick that Newcastle absolutely took 
and the referee led him away with not taking it. So no, I'm I'm glad though because of, because just because it was Ronaldo. Yeah, but like, look, I it felt it felt like a Sunday game after a what shouldn't have been a tough Europa League game, but a tough Europa League game <laughs> on Thursday. I can't believe I'm saying that about a football club. I didn't even realize Neil Lennon managed until two weeks ago. Um, and their keeper was absolutely he was so good. But that's because he was a United fan. So, like you know, they should sign him. Um, yeah, no, it was uh, it, it from the highlights I saw and from following it online. It sounded like it was a really good idea not to put that game on TV. Um, yeah, I, 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 it, I, I would like to say uh, one one very very quick thing, and it's like the Man City have come out today saying that Klopp's comments on. Clubs owned by countries was xenophobic. It's absolutely not. He's made he made a re. I don't always agree with everything Klopp says. But he made a really good point in that moment. Like United are owned by billionaires. They were poor comparatively to the people who own Newcastle yesterday. You know, it's a massive, massive issue, and I think it's only going to get bigger and bigger. And it's not about transfer. It's about wages. It's about being able to pay. You know, a bog standard player four hundred thousand pounds a week. Because you can, because money is not an issue, and to call that xenophobic, like that, just smacks a sore loserism from uh, City. But I wouldn't expect that unless from a small club. So it is what it is. Here, here, I think we can all agree with that. Um, is there <laughs> just to annoy you on this Monday night, Steve? Um, <laughs> is there? I was reading something um, in the Guardian today. Um, that said, Ten Hags United still play a version of Solskjaer ball. Yeah, but and... that's that's surprising. I mean, he's not in the job that long, so I'm I'm okay with it. Like, there's it feels like there's a direction. I think that's the difference. It feels like I know what he like. I can I can sit down and tell you like what you know. It's best eleven under Ten Hag is. I couldn't have done that under. Uh, under Solskjaer so I, I think it's fair and unfair um, there is definitely an element of truth in it um, but I don't think it's because I think it's a time um, I think it's a time thing at this stage I think there'll be a very different team in this, the second half of the in the second half of the season so um, and I think it's been it's it's been really interesting like the leaks from the dressing room until like literally until today had kind of ceased as well, which I thought was shows he's kind of taken more of a command of, of the team. And then you have Luke Shaw coming out to say players aren't always picked on merit. Well, Luke, I mean, you made a career <laughs> out of it, so I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be giving <laughs> that. Um, but I do think there's, there's not, there's, there's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to build it up to be more than what it is, but there is no doubt that this side is a better side um, under Ten Hag than it ever was under under Solskjaer. Shaw's got his place back. Yeah, um, being okay and not being great, but not being terrible, and that's the kind of all you can hope from from a United defense that consistently gives up. What the fuck were you doing, goals? Um, so I'll, I'll take it. I think. I think Casemiro making his way into that starting eleven is, is kind of huge. I think it will make a difference to the defense big time because you've got that extra layer of protection that Fred just, you know, for all his trying, just doesn't offer you. Um, yeah. 
and uh, like Rashford is starting to find a bit of form again. And I know he didn't. I know he was kind of dropped yesterday or whatever, but I feel that was more of a a rotation thing than than, than anything else. I think he has has really found. Like I, I think he's been really promising when I've seen him recently. Um, I think that's good. I think Sancho's in a seems like he's playing a little bit better, more like the player that you know you thought they signed. I think Phil raised a point in the the group chat today about Fernandez. I don't think he's an issue yet. I think he's still playing quite well. He mightn't have the goals and assists that he started his career with, but I actually think he's playing quite well. Um, so they're getting there. I think they're absolutely getting there, but like, they're, it's a building project and it's going to take this season, next season, um, and Champions League qualification, which is very much in their hands this year, is the best mm-hmm. that United fans could have asked for at the start of the season and I think they'll get it. So I'm, I'm happy enough um, I think Anthony to me looks like an incredible signing, um, yeah. and I I just like to see see him be involved outside. Like he seems to be really really good in the final third and anonymous uh, outside of that. But that's okay. Like I think he'll build that into his game. But I think there's something there. I think they'll they'll get it right, and Ten Hag is the man to do it. Very good. Can I, can I just announce before we finish here? Um... Manchester City had just been crowned Club of the Year at the Ballon d'Or. Liverpool were second, and Real Madrid, who won the Champions League, were third. I didn't even know that was a thing. Weird. Club of the Year. What What does that mean? Like, broke the most financial fair play? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> just, I, um, well, well, there's Ronaldo was actually ranked 20th. In the Ballon, Ballon d'Or voting? Yeah. That's probably the lowest he's ever finished. Like since oh, it was fifth. Jesus, that is a bit nice to That's where that would totally come to the football. I'm sure. Ben, is Benzema announced yet, or it's a matter of it's going to be Benzema? Yeah. Time, isn't it? We riot yeah. if it's not. You know. That's um, yeah. It's got to be. Is, does he win the 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 um the blackmailing prize for the year as well? <laughs> <laughs> the the controversy surrounding everything is glorious. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, I think I'll do it. We, we'll maybe chat about some of those things. Um, during the week, we um, do have full set of Premier League fixtures. Um, highlight probably being Steve's United against Tottenham at Old Trafford. Could see Rashford back for that. Maybe he was getting a wee rest to be mm-hmm. back for that game. Um, um, we'll hopefully have uh, a pod um, in between... This and the weekend, um, and then Phil will will probably be back at the weekend as well. So we'll hear all his glorious texts. Check out his blog, by the way, where he was just ridiculously happy after that result um, against Man City, and um, very entertaining read, I must say. Um, so yeah, cheers, lads, for joining tonight. Um, thanks for listening, folks, and we will see you again on the next one. Good luck.